blame me. I am. Who else am I going to blame? <sighs> you can blame my boss. I'm blaming your boss. Give me his number. I'll give yeah, him a call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, hello, can I have Paul for the entirety of Thursday? <laughs> for the entire day. <laughs> We have many things to talk about, and I don't know what to talk about. Well, and, and it's, it's all over the place. I'm going to say that I'm going to allow us to be a little bit self-indulgent just at the very start, and then we'll <laughs> never do it again. And and because Lydia won't say this, I will. Absolutely blown away by the response, and thank you to every single person who has listened and reached out and commented. Um, yeah, I just started this because it was a fun way to have a conversation with someone that I really like. The fact that other people have connected with it just warms the cockles of my heart a little bit. And Thanks for making me sound like an absolute ass. <laughs> 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 because I know Lydia will never say this. You know, she will never be thankful. It's not that you never... You never... <laughs> She'll never be thankful for all of our wonderful <laughs> listeners who decided to actually listen to us. Lydia, Lydia would never want... Yeah, she never wants to know any of the stats. No, I don't. No, and that's what I meant. But no, you're just as thank, <laughs> just as thankful as I. Good save. <laughs> Good save. Or maybe, or maybe, okay, spin it around. You just go. Lydia's just not self-indulgent, but Paul is. Yes, yes, I, I can agree with that one <laughs> because you are the one looking at the numbers. Absolutely, I am, without a shadow of a doubt. Oh no, which, I am. And I, I, which, by the way, let me be very clear: they do matter. They matter quite a lot, in the sense of if there was nobody listening to this. We just might just stop recording it because we obviously we do need to be a little bit careful <laughs> when we do record things, um, and it's a lot more fun. And we do we have in- reintroduced us just having chats outside of the podcast as well, and I would be more than happy for us just to continue doing that. So genuinely, thank you everyone for listening. It's 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 amazing to know that there is someone out there listening. I like to think that even if we just have one listener, we can just talk to them, <laughs> and that will hello, and, 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 hello and, and, Tom, and, hello. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should just maybe we should just uh, think moving forward when we record. We just have one person. We have one extra person who's just sat on the call, but yep. he's a silent partner, who's just yep. listening to us talk. I, I've named. I'm, uh, he he is Tom. He's he's just you know just getting into pre sales. He's really enthusiastic, um, but also has a really chill vibe about him. He's really. <laughs> you can tell I play D and D a lot, don't can't you? <laughs> like I, I immediately I have a backstory. Like he has he has a good relationship with his mum. Gave up drinking a, a while back because like he got really into his fitness, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he spent he, he spent he spent his lockdown doing hit workouts, and now yep. he's had a body transformation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that, that's quite a nice tee up, because, and again, I, this this is this is going to date things. Maybe a little bit, but I think launching the podcast for me was a. I'll just touch on that one more, and then and then I kind of want to come to, which is about new starts and transformations. Which I think is a good, a good subject for this week. It, it's that thing of going. Well, you want to do something for a long, long time, and you think about doing it, and you think, what will happen when I do it, and then you go and you do it, and you go, wow, that is not how I, in a, thoroughly positive way. And it really validated, I think, for me, that where maybe this kind of, I've tried to get this off the ground before myself, it's not really worked. It's like, okay, let's actually just try this now. And you get out and you do it. And I I view this all as a journey. And I think I look at everything in life as a journey. So again, maybe tying back to D&D, right? It's an adventure. 
depending on it is life is an adventure and it's fun and you meet different people some of them are npcs who (laughs) you see and forget (laughs) and all look the same non-playable character Folks will be versed in nerds, uh, yeah, nerdism until the think. end. Of... Nerds, yeah, no, nerds. no, no, no. I mean, like, this oh. is such a common part of my language <laughs> that at some point, like, I'm, I'm putting a goal for this podcast, and I hope I get this feedback at some point. If through me constantly mentioning Dungeons and Dragons and just continually raving on about it, which will definitely happen throughout the episodes, if one person, Paul, if one person writes in and says. I, I tried D&D because Lydia mentioned it and I've heard it from here and here as well, but I gave it a go and it's actually brilliant. I will be one happy camper. Like- <laughs> so what we're saying is to our one listener who we've named Tom, <laughs> Tom, write in and tell us when you tried D&D. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for me, uh, you know, I will admit now never having played D&D, my closest reference to it is probably, well, there was the terrible film that came out about 20 years ago. Yes, I'm aging myself. Uh, and then there's also all the stuff in Stranger Things is like the more, a more up to date cultural reference about D and D, but even that is not that recent. And then RPGs, I think the most recent one I played was Diablo three, which came out in 2012. Oof, oof. And then I'm, Final Fantasy seven like four times. I'm 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 taking the little nerd badge that's very little <laughs> from your chest, and I'm just taking it away. You take it away. You take until, it away. Uh, until you at least buy Baldur's Gate and you at least uh, give it a go. Okay. When I, yeah, when I have some time in 20 years. That's not, that's never going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but I do, I do have a, another dream. We're sharing yeah. a lot of dreams today. I have a dream of a pre-sales Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Mm-hmm. It could be a one shot, which means like one session only for a couple of hours where I just bring in all of the lovely nerds of the pre-sales community and I take them through an adventure. Obviously completely pre-sales themed. Of with course. like, you know, most of the enemies being uh, unqualified demos and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and prospects who have no idea what they want. And the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper, yeah. yeah. The, the, the silent but very influential stakeholder. Yep. I was going to say, no, I don't know if this is arguably an... an uh, RPG, if it wasn't the RPG, you'll tell me if it's not. But I spent about 25 hours in lockdown managing to complete about 10% of Dark Souls. And then I rage quit. Yeah. Ooh, that's that's good effort. Um, is this Dark Souls an RPG? I think technically it is. Yeah. I wouldn't... I wouldn't put it into the... When we're talking, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and we're talking like RPGs in the sense of like an adventure, I wouldn't put Dark Souls in there because there is a very linear story. Uh, which is amazing, by the way. And for folks who have the nerves of steel to actually do that, um, Dark Souls is amazing. And if not, and if you're like me, who rage quit and threw their controller uh, after the first <laughs> after the first uh, 30 minutes, there are a lot of videos on YouTube that actually go through the entire story. And it's a very intricate and interesting story. I, I think I got to the bit where you're underground. Mm-hmm. And I just kept falling off. And oh, I was like, oh no! Yeah, I know where you've been. I, 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 that was that was like three and a half years ago, and I, no doubt, I will maybe revisit it at some point. But in the meantime, I've I've managed to start and not finish like five other games, including Alien Isolation, which is the kind of Ooh. the the la- like the last game that scared me properly was Silent Hill Two. That is a those are Alien Isolation Damn. is yeah that's properly yeah. like 
I don't I don't play scary games because I, I have as I, as I mentioned I have absolutely the opposite of <laughs> feel. <laughs> I have nerves of cotton candy, <laughs> and I, I I just can't I can't take them. I, genuinely, they scare the the bejesus out of me. Um, but speaking of games, I have since the last couple of days, which came in very timely, I have my life is ruined, Paul, because I've been playing RimWorld for nine hours straight. It's it's really bad. I need help. I need an intervention at this point. <laughs> well, well hello, is, my name is Lydia, and I've been playing uh, RimWorld for a lot. In, in, in the last <laughs> in the last twenty four hours, I've played sixteen hours of RimWorld. <laughs> Please help. The only game I ever clocked up that kind of time on was Age of Empires two. With is, the expansion, that's fair. which that's fair. like, I mean, I obviously don't have the like I don't have the hours from when it was installed on my computer when I was a teenager and I just spent any time I had just playing it. What I do have is the fact that since I brought it on Steam, which I don't like that I had to buy the game again, but that's a whole separate topic. I've spent like 400 hours, I think. Ooh, good, effort. good effort. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a good game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just don't, you know, don't Classic. mess with classics. Absolutely. Classic. Uh, absolutely. No, but I think uh, I've always, I've always been more drawn to to narrative narratively driven games with like a an open world element let's call mm. it right dark yeah. like so a story like a proper the sto- story there's a story yeah oh you will love Baldur's Gate okay like, you should absolutely play Baldur's Gate I will give Gate. it a go I'll give it a go if I tell you my favourite and I, and I think it probably is the greatest game series of all time is Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. like again narrative but with an open Some element. Yeah, yeah. The, thir- the third one in particular right where you can kind of have a it has that sort of RPG-ness to it where you're going you're able to kind of explore but there is still a narrative that you have to push through mm-hmm. so I, I'm kind of I'm like I like to be like led in the direction but just gently nudged and able to like wander off and go in some tangents mm-hmm. and just go and like hey I'm just gonna go and do this over here and do this over here so I miss having time to play games but and this is this is a nerdy thing in a different direction. I don't actually have it in this room because it's on my bedside table, which is a very strange place to have this book. But it is a book called The Power Broker, and it is a twelve hundred page book. And it is honestly, it's like a doorstop. I <laughs> know <laughs> it gets worse, or it gets more nerdy. It is a biography of a politician in the early 20th century called Robert Moses, who basically made New York City what it is today, but was an incredibly, like, corrupt person. Um, And I'm, to go along with it, the reason I'm doing it is this year, and this is the other nerdy bit, the very kind of pretty famous and successful podcast, 99% Invisible, which is all about architecture and design and design in the world, are doing a book club. And every month they're releasing an episode that's like going over like 100 100 or so pages of this book, interviews with the author, discussions about it, there's a Discord server. I'm, that is like, that's my Baldur's Gate, right? That's where I'm spending my time is reading very nerdy, very detailed, but really, really interesting biographies of politicians which is also like the most cliche thing you can for... have the badge bag yeah i'm okay. giving you your nerd badge bag you can you thank can put you it on there thank you it's just it's just 
goodness, that is that is so incredibly nerdy. Oh, it's so nerdy. Well, look, also, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but this is my like favorite decoration I have. So I'm sure. I have I, noticed I have, it. I, did, I have, have no idea it. what it is. It's so. <laughs> what I'm showing you right now, it's my small China. It's a phonology head. Now phonology <laughs> is a. Was a oh, I know science. what this is. I know what this is. Is 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 that the one where they're measuring like pieces, like pieces of your head? Oh, it's areas of your head. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is like it, it's complete nonsense, and it was sort of disproven many years ago. But I saw this. There's a shop in in Brighton in the UK called Smuggler's Paradise, which is like lots and lots of little stalls. So you uh-huh. you have like a bookstall. Um, it's the kind of place where they have a full suit of armour that you can buy. Right? <laughs> it's that kind of place. They have like weird, weird antiques, but they had this. And um, yeah, it's... The, 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 the... Did you ring on it again? Beautiful. So it's, it's quite heavy, quite heavy. But it's... Um, the, the idea... And I can, we can link phonology in, in the show notes and you could read about how it's complete nonsense. I'll also link a picture of what the head is. But it was this idea that you could measure areas of people's head... And that would tell you about their personality and, you know, the different elements. So that's what it is. It's a piece of pseudoscience that was disproven 50 years ago. Uh, but it's incredibly nerdy because the other thing also, again, architecture, design, books, psychology. I tell you, you can that. have the backpack. You don't need to keep on so moving Yeah, to yeah, me. see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a nerd. I'm a, I'm a music nerd as well. Because um, along, alongside, you know, that. Again, I also have my my turntable set up in here, and I have my record collection behind me. So you know, I'm 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 a nerd. I'm a nerd in that in that nerd. Nerd is not just about nerdy things, like traditionally no. nerdy things. Okay, no, just to to make sure I don't actually say something that people will find might be offensive. Like I'm not trying to gatekeep anything, folks. <laughs> not no, at all. not at all. I I I have a feeling that I'm trying to postpone a conversation that i think we need to have um, i'm trying to be i'm trying to fill in the void with any other conversation <laughs> i'm talking about games instead of actually talking about what, what i mean we need to talk about. yeah i mean look i mean it's, it's kind of i think this is the thing as well right because again full disclosure for those listening the the first episodes we went in with a plan like an idea a theme we had themes didn't we we were like episode we had episode themes and we we're like we're going to talk about this we still and have I think them. That we still you. have them. We do, and and, and, we, just and, I, them. and we have we, we ignored them, and we just haven't talked about them. But I think also, the context of this one is we, you know, we've kind of been we've been very busy, and it's. But, I do like, the theme, and, and I think I, and this is really hard. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like have a handbrake <laughs> turn because it's really hard. But like, eh, handbrake. And given that some of the feedback we've had was I loved how like relaxed the conversation was and I now feel like it's like handbrake turn into the serious theme. No, it isn't. The problem is that otherwise I would just talk about Renborn for the next hour. <laughs> and I think yeah, what, I, I, what I think what you and I need to talk about is like as we said, life happens and changes yes. are happening and they yes. have happened and I'm freaking out. <laughs> so Lydia ah, help what's changed? For you, since we last talked. Uh, well, I can finally say it. Um, because I think I was I was hinting very strongly that changes are happening and they have indeed happened. I am officially self-employed. I have I have made the decision. Yep, yep, round of applause. Ah. Uh, 
I have officially made this, this decision. I have I have announced it. I have taken it seriously. Um, I am taking the company Packet Mage that I founded in July, which had the purpose of providing resource enablement. I think I'm finally given the opportunity to just sort of give a background to how did I end up where I am right now. Why did I even set up a company when I wasn't at the time planning to go fully self-employed? So I don't believe there is a right or a wrong way when it comes to like how do you you know I don't I don't think being self-employed is the you know the, the the greatest of all time thing. Nor do I believe that just being employed by a company is also the more secure way or the because as it shows recently, it's not really the most secure way of having a job because layoffs are a thing. I'm not what I'm what I'm gonna state now is not a applicable to everyone to me it has always been important to have authority and to be able to decide of what i'm what whatever that i'm doing i want to understand why i'm doing it and also to make changes where it makes sense to me that was a very roundabout way of saying like i i don't like being bossed around <laughs> in, in a nutshell <laughs> Be- and, yeah. and that has and that has worked fairly well for me in my career so far, because I have also been incredibly lucky to be able to choose the bosses that I work for. And they have always been folks that have, one of the reasons they hired me was that, is my ability to sort of take full, complete ownership of whatever my job is and just run with it. So I've always operated more, a little bit like Lydia as a business within a company. I've always had... I've always looked at things in the sense of this is the value that I'm providing you and the value of providing me is the salary, but this is how this is how we operate. So me going down the route of like, oh yeah, at one point being self-employed makes absolute sense to me. It's just, I have to, me as a person, will have to be able to provide enough value to the world, to the open market without the help of a corporation behind me. So that was always the dream, right? That was always the sort of like the, the, the North Star, let's say, of having mm-hmm. my own little company, and especially since finding the actual passion of what is it that I actually want, which is providing pre-sales enablement, is to enable pre-sales team to be the best they can be. The moment that clicked, and that was, by the way, thanks to DemoFest. It's thanks to actually people giving me the stage to go and talk in front of a pre-sales crowd and being able to hear the feedback, being able to actually provide value just from those sessions that I was like, okay, maybe this is the thing. This is what I actually need to be doing. That's why I also started posting on LinkedIn a lot more. I started, you know, the website, et cetera, et cetera. Then July, so this was post the online demo fest where I got approached by a company that said, hey, we love what you're doing. Do you want to do that for our team? And me, a little naive me went like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. They're like, okay, let us know what your rate is. To which I stuttered. And I went like, oh, money. Yikes. How does one how does one do all of this stuff? <laughs> Panic ensues. Uh, which by the way you will notice is a trend. <laughs> I work <laughs> I work incredibly well in panic. <laughs> um I panically called uh, a friend of the show, Patrick Bissang, uh, who has been doing priestess enablement for a very long time. And in panic I called him and I went like, help, what the heck do I do? And he was also very graciously, he responded and, and called me down and told me like, it's, it's amazing. And you know, this is how you do it. And this is the things that you, you know, this is how you set it up, et cetera, et cetera. And that happened. And I did have a paid course, a coaching session with a team, with a pre-sales team. And that was like the spark 
where suddenly it's like, this is everything I want to do. I love this. I want to have, I want to produce more content. I want to help more people. I want to like reach out a lot more. And like, this is the thing I want to be doing. If I can do it, you and I had this conversation at the very first episode, I think, which was, you know, imagine yourself right before you retire. And suddenly that image completely clarified. Not only am I, am I on stage talking to people as like right before I retire, but also the logo of Packet Mage and Priestess Enablement is the theme. So suddenly it became the dream. But a notable problem was that I was still employed by VMware. Uh, say a notable problem. <laughs> it was not a problem at all. <laughs> it was fantastic. I, you were still employed. I, I was still and employed. you had a commitment to a full-time employer. That's a very, oh, very politically correct said. Love that. I couldn't fully dedicate myself to the business. So I just sort of pushed it into the corner saying, you stay there. I'll still do things with you. More around like producing the content, being more, you know, orientated around that. But I'm not going to pursue anything with you for now until I figure out what I'm doing with the full-time job. Then obviously, again, and this is all public knowledge, so nothing, nothing hiding here. VMware was acquired by Broadcom. And there was obviously rumors and, you know, as it turns out, uh, people were, were going to lose their jobs. I was very confident that I was going to be one of them. Uh, it turned out to be true. So I sort of, in preparation for that, set the things in motion around either finding a new role and or fully committing to this. So then January rolls around and I'm already full steam ahead of like, okay, these are my, my like three, three options, right? With the business being the very last because like, oh, this is something that I'll have to build up from the ground up. I would prefer to have a full-time job in the meantime. So I was doing interviews, etc. You know, everything you do when, you, when you're preparing for this sort of thing. And then the Don Carmichael sends me an email uh, for folks who are not aware of, of the Don Carmichael. Uh, the man has, is an absolute legend in pre-sales enablement. He's been doing this for many years and is, and at the time was a business mentor of mine because, you know, he lives, he lives like 30 minutes north of me. We've met a couple of times and I asked him to be my business mentor as what he was doing was literally what I wanted to do. To which I get an email from him with the title being, I'm retiring in April. I'm like, oh, okay. And the email starts, you know, I was a little bit sad because like, oh, right, you know, he's a fantastic and I want to see more of him. But at the same time, I'm also happy because like, yay, you know, freedom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as, as, as I go through the email, you know, you know, happy new year, yada, yada, yada. It was January. And there was a paragraph where he said like, you know, oh, I'm planning to retire. You know, I've gotten to that point, etc. And then the next paragraph was, would you like to take over hosting? And for, for continuing my two more successful courses, to which I screamed and shouted <laughs> and threw my phone in like, somewhere. Uh, I responded in like two minutes with yes, please. <laughs> uh, have not, you know, without thinking about it at all, because this is an opportunity that I just couldn't say no to. And yeah, I was, and then I obviously I messaged you. <laughs> yeah. And then I phoned screaming. you and I, I was in, I just arrived. Uh, in my hotel from SKO. So I yep. was quite tired, have been travelling for most of the day, and I then phoned you and screamed. Yep. And when, <laughs> there was a lot of screaming involved. There was a lot of screaming involved. <laughs> <laughs> and like, because, and I don't mind saying this, I was just so proud of you. Like, oh. I was, I, and I am. And it's strange because I don't think, I don't think we've ever told the kind of, we, we I know we haven't told the sort of, 
oh, how we met, which sounds like such a weird <laughs> thing to say. But, but I think it's good because you mentioned Demo Fest a couple of times in yeah. that. It was at Demo Fest in London of October last year. That was the first time we met face to face. And it was that like thing of that moment of like, oh, this could be something. And I just think, and it was that of like, this is so exciting. I'm incredibly proud of you. And I'm actually also genuinely knowing Don, having seen him present a number of times, been fortunate to do that. And as you say, he is the Don and an <laughs> absolute legend. And, and no one will ever be the Don. But I also know that, you know, he, he also, I, I completely see why he wanted you to take over. Oh, and it's true. You. And I think, and, and we've had this conversation a lot. And I think we had this conversation <laughs> offline, uh, non-recorded about obviously much more candidly about the situation you were in and the changes. And I think it's a, uh, an interesting example of how to handle like, and this is maybe kind of leaning towards the, how to kind of manage this, this change. And we talked about, we've talked about it on a couple of episodes, talked about managing change, I think, and you've alluded to it. Obviously, I've gone through a lot of change recently, um, stepping back into leadership and, you know, which is like, it's a new job, same company, but totally new job, new manager, new team, new part of the business. So kind of, I know the products, but I don't know the kind of space. And it's, it's kind of, what's interesting, I think, is that in that story is all the way through what you were doing was you were kind of laying the groundwork and going, oh, at some point I'll do this. Mm-hmm. But you were investing in yourself kind of up front and you were doing that brand building. And when we had the episode where we talked about you know, LinkedIn and brand building, and we kind of didn't go into this and kind of, we couldn't kind of go into specifics at the time. But also I think we didn't kind of get into the, in this detail, which is that it's a really... Uh, probably the best example I can think of what what you have had and and what has come out of it for you is like crystallizes for me why it's so important in today world and as we're talking right we've seen more layoffs this week which is awful right it, it just seems to be the last two years technology is layoffs and I feel like every day I wake up, I come into LinkedIn and there's some other big company has done it. And I don't want to get into the ins and outs of why that's not really for me to kind of go into the kind of why that happens. And there's lots of different reasons why that happens. And there's a complex and it, it's awful. And I feel for every single individual going through that because I have been through that, thankfully, only once. It is a horrendous experience. And I don't want to come across like I'm chastising anybody. But what I can say is, wherever you are right now in your career, and this is something that I wish I could go back to myself five years ago and say, rather than two years ago and be told, start building that brand and that network now, because work is a part of your life and it's absolutely crucial, but it's not what it once was in the and this may be a controversial thing to say, a secure job for life just isn't a thing anymore. No. But also a secure employee for their life, not really a thing anymore. 
So that relationship between employer and employee has kind of shifted massively. And I just think it's it's interesting. I guess what I'm interested in is to like from you is obviously you've as you say, you set this company up last July. Yep. You've now I feel like you're on an accelerated timeline. Yes. <laughs> oh, definitely. Was there a point where you were like, is this you sort of say like you know, you're five done within two minutes? Was there a point where you kind of had that moment of thinking, is this the right thing to do? Oh, of course. No. So, yeah, a couple of things. Mind you, I'm still at this point. I don't think that that moment is ever going to go away of, is this the right decision to make? Of going solo, right? That's the... And again, by the way, when I say by going solo, because I also mentioned it on my, on my LinkedIn post as well, what I mean by going solo is just having my own company. I am not solo at all. I have... Obviously, working with Don, working with so many other amazing partners that I, you know, keep on announcing and I'll keep on working together. I don't believe in the whole like you, you know, you're just the one person and you're a superhero and you can do everything by yourself. Absolutely not. I need people. Gosh, I need people <laughs> to get this up off the ground. So that's when you know when I'm saying about going by myself, like that's it's just having my own company, right? The moment of like thinking, is this ever the right decision? It's still happening, and I, I think it's gonna still keep on happening going forward. There's always going to be this doubt at the back of my my, my brain of the idea of, of going going solo. Like so, by the way, speaking of like what was the actual plan and like why it's it's accelerated now. The the original plan was to give this a go come summertime, and the reason for that, and I, I think this is again, I would have loved to hear someone talk this through two years ago. My ideal plan was to have enough money saved to be able to live okay-ish for two years stretching it out to three because i read somewhere and i really believe in this if you are to be successful as a self-employed person as having your own you know little business you need to have the runway where money is not the priority whilst it's very you know it would be very nice to for the business to start making money as soon as possible that is not the main goal here. The main goal is to make, you know, to put the systems in place, to make the offering valuable to people, to create those connections, to create those partnerships, to create everything, to put everything in place. And then there's a magical moment. And this is, by, by the way, this is all statistical because, you know, people monitoring and being interested in small businesses and how they actually prosper. The, the line or the pinnacle point where businesses start becoming profitable is between two to three years or even four years. So that and most small businesses fail because people expect to have money rolling in within the first year. And that is just whilst it happens, it's a rarity and it's not a good sort of stencil to use going forward of how do you actually operate your business. So that was the plan. And why summer? It was because, first of all, summer is a nice sum a season <laughs> to actually do these sort of things. Um, I was the idea was to give myself like a couple of months to sort of just relax and set myself on a new wavelength of you know employed versus being self-employed and obviously just have a couple more couple more months of salary for that to happen none of that happened <laughs> one because uh, you know i got that offer where i could i couldn't refuse and it was just like okay we need to start going and for me to start being operational as soon as possible so mm -hmm. all of those months of being what i love and keep on referring to as a house cat or a trophy wife depending <laughs> on your perspective <laughs> Where my plan was like, my plan literally was just to go to the gym, right? Make mm -hmm. meals for my partner, you know, stay at home, mm -hmm. 
be pretty, right? That was the whole point. Yeah. That's yeah. not happening. <laughs> be a, or, or be a house cat, which is just to nap all day and do nothing other than just cause chaos from sunset. <laughs> one, one of the two, right? One of the two. My partner was okay with, with either, so <laughs> I wasn't too bothered. That, again, that's not happening because of the, this accelerated timeline. So whilst, and again, lesson for for past me and future me as well, whilst you can lay off lay out your plans perfectly, um, you also need to be okay with like just taking them as they are, which is exactly what I'm doing. So because of Don's fantastic work that he's already done, there is a, a waiting list of people that want to go through the courses. So obviously that needs to happen as soon as possible, right? Because the last thing I want to do is like the first impression that folks have of me is, oh, you know, it, it took her like four months to get back to us. It's like, no, we're going to do that. So by the way, announcement uh the yeah. first course i'm running the public and it's publicly open by the way is going to be 18th of march and it's going to hey. be four days so yeah huzzah uh, and so until then things need to be set in place so the business needs to be fully operational which by the way 95 percent of it it's there uh it's mostly me being pedantic and wanting to like oh but the website is not perfect oh i need to sort that out oh i need to do this but i need to do that but so it's just me being incredibly pedantic but yeah, so I have, and by the way, we've been very sappy this episode. Mm-hmm. I am incredibly grateful for the unhinged support I'm getting, both from you, from you know, the people closest to me, work-wise as well. Like I've had people that have reached out to me just to say, like, I knew you were gonna, I knew you can do this. Like, I, I can't wait to see what, and just the ungodly amount of people that have commented and have like reacted to the post where I'm announcing all of this initially I just I, I still haven't been able to get back to everyone it's just I don't know have you if you've seen it but it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's wild <laughs> and I don't know what to do with myself over that other than just again I'm weird, and and I, well, that's that's a statement. What I mean is, I'm really bad at taking compliments in the sense of I don't see what other people see in me, so I just take it in strides and just go like, you know, oh yeah, no, you're great. It's like okay, thanks, and I just keep on going. And this is one of those moments where I really would benefit from like taking that in a little bit and just internalizing that people believe in me and they think I will be successful. Because right now I'm just wrecked with like uncertainty and doubt and like, oh my god, I don't want to disappoint people and especially Don, right? Like Don who's handling handing me practically like his baby <laughs> made of made of shattered like easily shattered glass and I'm just sitting there sort of like tossing it about. It's like <laughs> don't do that. I mean don't don't toss a don't don't toss a real baby around either, but <laughs> I don't know what you do with babies, man. <laughs> Started not tossing them around. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> For my next encounter with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> next time someone hands you a baby. Yeah. You won't throw it in the air. <laughs> yeah. Point number one. <laughs> oh, goodness. I thought, oh. It would be, I thought it would be me this episode that's completely unhinged. Because <laughs> of just the enormous amount of stress that I've stressed them in. But then you, you came in, caffeinated to the max. <laughs> Stand. Up it's, the lunatic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine, and I, I am also weird, and I will embrace that. And I still, I think I alluded on an earlier episode to kind of some uh, stuff that kind of the personal stuff that I want to kind of start being more open about on LinkedIn. And I don't, 
It's weird. I don't want to get into this now that I know when this is episode is going to go out. And just quickly, quick plug again back for your workshop. If you're listening to this on the release date, you've still got a couple of weeks to sign up. There'll be a link. Go check it. Go sign up. Um, and I think in kind of about me kind of embracing that that side of my personality, I guess, and embracing embracing who I am and being being here. And I also am. And this explains so much about why we just clicked. Because I am identical when it comes to taking any positive feedback. I just go, yes, thank you, that's nice. Yeah, I take it. And then carry on, carry on as though I am failing at everything and feel like I am behind. And this applies to everything in my life. This applies to mm-hmm. work. This applies to being a dad. This applies to just doing stuff around the house, right? It, 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 I, I, I always... And the way is I always feel like that I'm not good enough and I don't know how to handle that. And, you know, I think, and I think it's a, it's a trait though that I've seen in, and this is, this is kind of big headed, but I think it's, it, but it's true in some of the best people in this, in our kind of sphere, in our field. They're people like us who I don't think quite comprehend the magnitude um, of the impact that you have on other people, and and the way that people look at you. And if I give, I'll give an example, kind of similar to your one. So obviously, when I announced my new job on LinkedIn, like I was like blown away by the, like, over a hundred people, and so, but then also some of the messages I got. But then also even just like the internal announcement email it was like that's me (laughs) like i can't um it's that sort of like it's not i think it's 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 imposter syndrome but it kind of (laughs) is and it kind of isn't right it because imposter syndrome is like i shouldn't be here yeah yeah no 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 that's not what what i'm feeling either it's not that i shouldn't be here because the rational part of my brain. I am here because someone thinks I should be. And I can tell you that if you are in... Tom, listen to Tom. Arlon, listen to Tom. If you're... Whatever, wherever you are, if you're brand new into being an SE and you're thinking, oh, I shouldn't be here, this is way too complicated. Or you're in a new job or you've been promoted or you're even just doing your thing. I would probably imagine that you have that sort of sense of like, I keep getting told nice things and I don't really feel like I am. You can't connect how you feel internally with how people view you externally. And that's okay. And you don't have to kind of wrestle with that, I guess. You just have to just take it and go, that's really lovely. Thank you so much. I'm just going to kind of put it in this little box marked nice things people have said about me. I, I literally have that. <laughs> I have a folder. And, and move on. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Yeah, I have, yeah, with yeah, my love too. for folders, I have a folder in my drive that I have taken screenshots of nice things that people have said to me. <laughs> put it there. I love, what you, I love that you mentioned the separation between the logical brain and the emotional brain because I had a big old wave of that post-severance. So I wasn't offered a new role within Broadcom, which was expected, right? I knew, and there's many reasons why that's that's the case, but again, I'm not going to, that's that's details that I don't feel 
you know, I should get into. Mostly, you know, if most severances, the way they work is based on year of, years of tenure. I haven't been around for too long, so I'm relatively cheap to get rid of. And I, I, that's, I believe, the biggest factor. And not, I don't mean to say that in a way to scare people who are new to the business. That's not a guarantee in any way, shape, no, or form. No. It's just there were many signs within the organization that when I looked at it, I was like, yep, I'm most likely not even going to get an offer. So that decision was taken away from me, which was actually, again, a positive thing because the night before we were going to get our, our letters in, I was there was like the, the strain of my brain that went like, oh, but if I do get an offer, maybe I should consider it, which absolutely I should I should not. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Again, I would most likely I wouldn't have, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway, case of the point is I get that information that I knew 99.9% I was sure I was going to get. And throughout the day, I was very logical about it. Like, yep, I have a plan. I'm, you know, executing on it. This was fantastic because then I don't even have to make a decision because the decision was made for me and I'm just going to get on with it. And then the evening came and I just, it it literally, it was so silly because I was sitting on my chair, you know, into rim world (laughs) for the seventh, (laughs) for the seventh hour. And my partner just turned towards me and went like, are you Okay. And then suddenly I just, well, I was in ruins. And that was the emotional side, right? Where suddenly all of the fear and all of the uncertainty and all of the pent up waiting that was because, you know, we've been, we've known this is going to happen for months, months now. And just the culmination of all of that, of like the release of that pent up, like sort of like uncertainty and waiting and questioning. And then the decision being taken away from you and that feeling of, and by the way, like don't ever get attached to corporations. Don't ever get attached to companies. They don't, they they don't care about you. And I didn't care about the fact that I was thrown out, but it was again, this sort of like, Oh, now I'm, I'm fending for myself. There is no, there's no paycheck to come at the end of the month. There is nothing, right? That's it. Finito. Figure out yourself. And that is, and that overwhelming sense of fear and uncertainty was just crumbling. And I, I didn't expect that. I didn't, because again, logical brain was like, yeah, no, you have a plan. You have a fantastic plan. You have the best opportunity that you can, you couldn't even imagine this opportunity a couple of months back. Yet here you are, you're doing this, you have a fantastic support system, you will not be lost. And then my emotional brain was like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. And it took me a couple of days to be okay with that because I want to be logical. I want to be, I think nobody wants to be an emotional mess, right? Like, let's be very clear. And to have to accept that that is what has happened and that is completely normal and fine and having spoken to many people about that, have gone through a similar experience, everyone goes through this. And I think that's a part of like, going through a redundancy that nobody really talks about, which is like, yes, even, mind you, even if you have a role lined up, it's still scary. I didn't sleep. Like, so for background context, when I joined VMware, it was mid-pandemic, right? I was made, so in my in, in my previous company, I was furloughed, but I was promised that I would get back to my, so I wasn't jobless per se. And when the opportunity to join VMware came in, I was, I couldn't sleep for many nights mm-hmm. <laughs> considering and, con- you know, thinking because like, I could just stay and have my previous role 
and just be okay with that. And once, you know, you know, we were out of furlough, I'll get back to that. Jumping into VMware was a humongous risk because it was mid-pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, companies were hiring and firing, like left, right, and center. I had no back- pre-sales background, anything. And I'm like, they're going to find me out and I'm going to get kicked out of within the, you know, before my probation even ends. Which didn't happen, but the fear was there. And now I'm in the exact same spot of just ridiculous amounts of stress and fear of what is going to happen. And again, I just wished that someone had said this of like, yes, you will have a plan that doesn't save you from the emotional turmoil that you're going to go through anyway. Because everyone says like, oh yeah, it sucks. And in my silly brain, I was like, yeah, it sucks because they obviously didn't have a great plan. It's like, I do, Mm -hmm. like being completely full of myself. And then it it suddenly, it hit me. It's like, no, even if you have the perfect plan in front of you, even if you have another job lined up, Mm. the fear is still there. It never goes away. And I think that fear exists even when it even when you've willingly left an organization yeah every time you have a change in your career there is a that kind of what if but what if this happens what if that happens and i have had that every time i've changed job every time i've had to make a decision but recently and so back way back when i got the job that was my first kind of it wasn't even my first full-time job i was still doing my masters but opportunity came up and i was like oh, no i'm not really sure and i was like 21 22 at the time and my dad was like look what is the worst thing that's going to happen the worst thing that's going to happen is it's not going to work out and you will have to find something and i try to come back to that advice even now 12 13 years of you make a decision. It might not work. Yep. But you know, the, the decisions we're making, most of the time, 99.9% of the time in this role, and obviously this clearly doesn't apply to people in other professions, but most of the time, these are not life and death decisions. These are not quite often, and I'm having this a lot in my current role, quite often the worst case scenario is you're going to get an angry phone call from somebody. Someone's going to be angry for five minutes and then they will calm down and the situation will progress. And I think when you look at it in those terms, and I'm not, I, and I'm not trying to be reductive here because this, I, I'm an incredibly emotional person and I, I struggle emotionally with an awful lot of stress and pressure both in work and outside of work and it's and so i i don't want this to kind of but i also try to look at things rationally and go i've got to make a decision because the, the worst thing you can do is kind of not make that decision and i think sometimes like for you that decision was made for you yeah and you were kind of forced into that situation but you're like well i'm here now yeah i guess i better deal with it and and you have and i think you're but you're also kind of pragmatic enough to go i'm gonna give it a go yeah i'm gonna give it a go right and i think it's that other thing that i would sort of say is don't don't invest your entire self-worth as as a professional as anything into one one single decision you have to go if this is the right decision for is this the right decision 
for me, for now, yes or no. And it, it's the same, as I say, when you're, the only way, the way I'd equate it is if you're, do you want to get into pre-sales? Do you want to go into be into a leadership role? Do you want to change company? Do you want to change department? You know, again, all of these, and I think it's that, that we've kind of, I've talked before about the relationship and my view on the relationship between kind of employers and employees and how it's not that like you're not sort of tied in in the same way to people to a company in the same way you're not tied into a role in the same way as we once were but that's actually a really great thing because it gives you the opportunity to kind of go out and take a risk and i think to your point it's a calculated risk and you go if i feel able to go out and be self-employed and i am secure enough great me personally that is not an option that i would feel able to do right now because of the situation i'm in in life and that's fine right and that's not it's not to say i know you haven't said this but but it's like it's not to say every time everyone who if you go through a a redundancy oh you should go and find your own thing it's not that absolutely not no 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 that's not what i'm saying i don't and, and, and i'm not you're not you know, I'm not implying that you are, but I think it's that thing, right? I think it's yep. good to kind of clarify that. Yes. But what we're saying is, don't be afraid to do something that scares you. And if it yeah. if it gives you an opportunity, if a less than ideal circumstance, let's call it that, whatever that may be, right, causes you to have to go and make a change, don't be afraid to take a risk on something. Calculate a risk, absolutely. Calculate, definitely. But but don't be afraid. If something scares you, it's probably a good thing. It's the same reason why I always say, when I get up to present, I always want to feel a little bit nervous about it. Because if I'm not feeling nervous, then something's wrong in my brain. Because that ang- that kind of... That nervousness, not anxiety, but that nervousness, but that kind of like that sort of unknown piece mm-hmm. is what drives you to do really well. And that's a really serious point. That's a know. very serious point. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like now we can just go. And that was a serious point. And now we have a humorous interval. <laughs> oh, oh, I, feel, I feel like most of the things I, I say these days as a humorous interval. Uh, that was good. That was good. Uh, uh, Here you go. Let's let's bring it back round to the discussion that we were having, and I'm assuming you, is, is that our conversation about games is going to be in this. Cause <laughs> yeah, these, yeah. Because yeah. for this point to stick, it needs to be in. This is going crass, right? But when you're in a game, when you're playing whatever game you're playing, and you make a decision, and then your character dies or you lose or whatever happens. You can go, you know what? It happened, right? <laughs> and that's an incredibly like procedure. <laughs> but 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 I think the but the point being, right? You need to have that. You need to look at things in the similar. Ooh, you need to look at what's things. What's the worst thing that can happen? You yes. can die. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that was not the, the take that people were supposed to. That was not. That was not. That was not what. That, okay. Okay. For, <laughs> that was not, okay. Reference back. Checklists are written in blood. Right. 
<laughs> you're gonna make me regret that statement. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, but okay. But I think again, the worst thing that's gonna happen is it's not gonna go the way you wanted it to. Yeah. Okay. So what? What yeah. are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Own it. No, no. Again, <laughs> there will be. You should have things in place for when it doesn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really funny. Like both the big career decisions I've made in my life one joining vmware and two going solo on both of those things i called my mom and i went like worst case scenario <laughs> like can i just move back home yeah i i literally at the time like when i was joining vmware because it was mid-pandemic right genuinely if they had kicked me out during my probation i would have had to folded everything and, and left the country and whilst now it's a little bit of a different situation because again I'm in a completely different financial situation. I'm you know in a very stable relationship. It, even then, I still needed to like just call my mom and go like, worst case scenario, right? Super worst case scenario. Can I go back home? <laughs> <laughs> like, can I just crash on the sofa for a bit until I figure yeah. it out? And whilst I, that will never happen, right? Like, mm. I will. There, there is a billion and one things that i will be able to do between mm-hmm. the you know things failing and that happening mm-hmm. so it would never come to that but it's just having that safety net of just whatever whatever it is there is always solution and i think having an answer to that what's the worst that can happen is a really it's especially for an anxious brain that's really important just to like dig down a little bit it's like because fortunately again for for a lot of folks in, in this field the solution at the very end of this is is not going to be I'm going to be dead on the, on the streets, right? There are so many safety mechanisms within the UK, within Europe overall, to save you as you're going through this. That again, niche it down, niche it down, keep on digging, keep on digging. At the end, you're going to reach a point where it's, there's always a way that is not the worst case scenario. And this this is something that this is like a like a, we're going to get really philosophical here. It's hmm. a thing in psychology around like catastrophizing, right? And it's a very common thing that people with high anxiety do quite an anxious person so i'm very good at catastrophizing mm-hmm. of thinking like what's the absolute worst case scenario and when you're being realistic and pragmatic about it the worst case scenario is really not that bad again you can always say again i'll be left on the street but guess what people make it even when they get to that point there's a lot of stories of people getting back from that but like statistically you will never be at that point like i will never statistically i will never be at that point so what does that mean? So that means that I need to take I need to work in the way and take the risks. Again, this is what we mean by calculating a risk. Mm. And when you put like the absolute worst metric, like the worst number, like this is like the zero, right? You're at zero. Mm-hmm. What is your zero? And when you see your zero and when you actually crystallize it completely, you realize that, you know, what what is the risk I can actually take? In your case, again, and those risk factors are completely different depending on where you are in life. You at the moment cannot see yourself being solo because of your responsibilities as you know a, a person with a family, a person with a mortgage. I am, you know, in comparison, I have all of the freedom in the world to screw things up. So I, my tolerance for risk, and I think that's a really key thing there. Like yes. tolerance for risk is incredibly high. I can try different and wild things, and if it doesn't work, so be it. I, I will, I will find a way. You have people who are you responsible to. And that's a completely different picture. That's why I'm very, I want to be very clear. I, the path I'm taking right now, I wouldn't recommend to people because it's for my, from my calculations is quite risky. 
I have the tolerance for that risk. I don't, I would never turn around to anyone in any sort of situation and go like, oh yeah, you should just, just go solo. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the worst thing can happen? Absolutely not. No, yeah, exactly. And I think there's a, there's a calculated risk and you have to also, I think, when you're making these kinds of decisions and you're looking at your situation and you have to decide, there is a part of me that always comes back to be, and the framework, there's two, there's two kind of very firm feet. I say, do I want to be, do I want to kind of continue on the path that I'm going and, and the growth in my career? Or, you know, there's always that option, which is the Einstein at the patent office option. Or the T.S. Eliot, right, at the bank option. And both of those are very, very super intelligent people. And the T.S. Eliot one, I think, I think is, is crystallised better in that he was a bank teller, so a very famous poet, and he was basically offered, he was basically told, you could, if you work really hard, you might get a promotion to be a manager. And he said, I don't want to do that. I want to go and I want to write poetry and then learn, but I want to know about Now I'm not, that's not to say, but it's that thing of kind of going again. It's about when you're doing that calculative risk, it's also about understanding what is the relationship. And I think that's the other thing that I would say that I have learned hugely in, in my kind of time. And I think in recently, certainly in the last like three years is just how important is that relationship is that you have with the work that you do and i don't know where i first heard this so i cannot credit anybody with but there's the whole idea if you talk about a work-life balance a life-work balance working to live living to work and i think the problem i had the problem this person i had and I, i kind of obviously developed it in my own way that i have with those is you're always you're, when you're talking about a work-life balance, you're positioning those two things in opposition to one another, which they shouldn't be. They should be positioned, you should be looking at it and going, how in in my like space in my boat that I have, that's taking me down the river of life, if you want, I have space for family, I have space for work, I have space for friends, and that space will, you'll have to change that space that you have. It's only ever, so, it's only ever going to be finite. You know, your material things can get bigger, your house can get bigger, but your amount of space that you have in your life will always be finite. It's a decision we had to make when we started the podcast. Do we have time in our increasingly busy lives to commit to this and to do it? And it's what drove the decision to say, let's go bi-weekly, because A, that means that we can work it around our schedule. We're not overcommitting, but also it gives people a chance to kind of listen to it and mean that we're not kind of building up. And I, I am a perennial person. I'm always behind on many, many podcasts. And I always subscribe to more. So that's a me problem. But I also know other people have that problem. And and you kind of go, where can it fit? And I think it's also that's the other factor, I would say, in that decision that you're making. Where are you? And, and you know what? Right? If you're saying that you get to a point in your life where you're like, I just want to have a job that I enjoy that I feel I care about what it is that I I have an investment in what I do and what my company does which is different to I think your when we've been talking before about the relationship with it's not about you know being wholly enriched to the company it's but it's about you I think you should still have a you should have a belief you should align to what you're doing otherwise why are you working there but you just need to like, you know, turn up and down that dial 
based on where you are in life. And that's also fine. And the aligning with the core belief of the company. That one, I do have a, again, the most important question you need to ask yourself, even when it comes to that, is what are you trying to achieve here? Because some okay, jobs yes. are literally just to get the paycheck and just to be able to pay the bills, right? And yes. that's perfectly fine. There's nothing There's nothing bad about that. When it comes to, again, and this, this question, I think it's so, it's so clarifying of like, what am I trying to achieve with this? And the moment you realize that a job is just for a paycheck, you can... And again, maybe people won't like me saying this out loud, but you don't have to commit a lot to it. You have to do what is in your contract and what is the requirement for you of you and then nothing else if it's just for the paycheck. Yeah. And this is something that I come in opposition with a lot of people because especially like, again, my partner is a perfect example. He, when he does a job, he goes full on. It doesn't matter mm. what it is. It could be a cleaning job. It could be, you know, whatever job. He would do it to the fullest extent that he can. My mom is the same. I'm surrounded by these people. I don't understand them. Because I truly believe that if the goal is just to get the paycheck at the end of the day and you're using all of the energy you have available to yourself, you are, you're misusing that energy because, oh, I just want to do a good job or I want to be, you know, I want to perform my duties at the very best. And that is a moral compass that you have. I think that has a lot to do with how we have been taught that you need to work yourself to death (laughs) for other people, which I completely disagree. So again, what is what are you trying to achieve with this? Just to get a paycheck? Work as if you're there just to get a paycheck. If you're there to create a career and to progress and to get involved and to invest in the company and its mission, which is what you were referring to earlier, then commit and uh, behave in that way. That's two completely different ways to approach work. And then the third one, which is where I made all of the decisions around like, you know, being having my own business, which is what am I trying to achieve? My goal is not to make a, a shit ton of money, right? That has never been the goal. My goal is to have a life that I can have an income that can sustain that. And when I say life, like, again, I don't want fancy dinners. I don't want trips to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever fancy tropical. I don't even know the tropical destinations, Paul. Like, that's how bad I am. Like, that is not what I want. And to the point about, like, and, and that's why I love so much your, your exercise of, like, imagine yourself right before you retire, because I'm very visual mm. when it comes to this. All I want is a relatively nice house somewhere where it's quiet and I can bike everywhere. I can bike to the shop. I can bike to, you know, wherever I need to go and just to have the time to spend on the things that actually bring me joy and they're not not my job. Mm-hmm. And that means, and again, whilst training and talking to people and coaching does bring me joy, I'll be very honest with you, Paul. I didn't wake up one morning going like, you know what I really want to do in life? <laughs> I want to teach pre-sales people about what to do with pre-sales. I, 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 I didn't wake up in life going, I want to sell software. And, nobody and, and, nobody and, yeah. does that, right? No, if no, I'm one left does. My, no one does. If I'm left on my own accord, all I will be doing is painting all day and walking around in nature. But and that I'm doesn't playing, pay the I'm bill. RimWorld. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. And I think, so, when I say you should believe in what the company is doing, I think if that is that's not to say you have to be like um full on depending again and this kind of depends upon the role i think if you're in when and i when i've been in the public sector or friends of mine in the charitable sector it's a very you have to kind of believe in the mission more than the the job yes and that's not i'm talking i guess specifically about tech and technology i think you 
you have to see the value that what you're doing you have to understand why that's important and i think you have to recognize that that has a value otherwise and again particularly in pre-sales you i don't know how you can sell something effectively that you don't see the value of so that's what i mean by that's fair yeah that's fair i agree with that Uh, you have to kind of like you have you have to share and again and equally there are and i've had it that there are organizations who have approached me who i have not gone to work for because it conflicts with my own political beliefs right and and so you you have to have some alignment what I would say, and I, this is really, um, and I will, I'll have to link. She's a leadership coach called um, Heather Elkington, who she was super successful very early on in her career, and now was a director at like 26 and is now a leadership coach. And she does some great videos on and one recently, and it really resonated with me, which is that if you are needing to work extra hours outside of what you're contracted to do your job effectively, something is not working. And I was like, whoa, okay. Hit me like a wall of, like... A, like really? A really. It did. Because I went, obviously. Yeah. But no one had ever spelled it out. Right. I think how, when you when people Ooh. spell it... And, and that's why... Paul, I have, a, I have, another, I have another thing okay. for you. And, I, and okay. I, I, I urge every single person listening to this to do this. Yeah. Take your yearly salary, because mm. that's how we're, we're paid in the UK. Mm. Take your yearly salary... And calculate, if you're working a normal week, calculate how much you're being paid uh, yeah, per yeah. hour. Yeah. Do that and okay. reconsider how much time you're spending on the thing. Right. And and, and I think, and, and then the other, and I agree with that. And also factor into that, if you have childcare costs, if you have, if you're paying for childcare, if you're paying for a cleaner. No, no, no. That, for, yeah, no, no, no. But that, that, that's a given. That's a given. No, no. Just look at the number. Because I think for a lot of people, they're going to look at that number and it's going to be single digit and they're going to be like, what the heck am I doing with my life? <laughs> but the reason, the reason I say that, though, is the reason I add that in is, for example, if you are, say, earning, if that number is £10 an hour, but then if you go, in order to enable me to do that job, I'm having to pay £5 an hour to not have my children, then you're getting paid £5 an hour. Yes. That's the other thing to count. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think for a lot of people, yeah. just to see oh, that no, no, number no, of course. Yeah, clarifies yeah, yeah. it so much. I did that for my previous job. I did it for VMware. And on both of those occasions, I just looked at it and went like, oof. Right. But but I think I think the reason that it hit me is I was like, oh, obviously. And I think it's a good thing to do. Um, But the working for, there's there's the thing, and I remember the, there was the, the quiet quitting kind of, phenomenon that went around about a year ago which i had a real problem with because i was like what you're talking about doing is turning up and doing your job now the way that i and i would frame what kind of the the turning up for education i frame it kind of partly on that video that i watched and partly just in general i kind of i look at it slightly differently to you and i go if i'm fulfilling the obligations of my contract to my employer I am, to, quote unquote, as you said, that, that value thing that you would say, which I am a person, I provide a service in exchange for a salary. Okay, and that is that is what a job is. The thing about kind of turning up and just doing your job and going home, I am trying to, and I haven't yet got this down, I am trying to negotiate with myself 
what is the difference between doing that and what I kind of people maybe perceive as quote unquote quote unquote going above and beyond. Now there's doing the bare minimum, which I think is is an issue. But if you're turning up, fulfilling your, on, on a kind of on a, on a basic kind of you know, level, or, I guess. Okay, that's fine. The the way the and that that, that yeah. value thing, right? Like imagining yourself as a business going to like provide a service. Imagine yourself as the person receiving that service. So when yes. I say that, I I literally mean it in that way, which I wouldn't expect my cleaner to also make me food, right? Right. Why right. would I expect of myself as an employee? To do my job and also do that and th- do another thing, right? I and agree. that's that. I think that's the best way to sort of position that idea. The bare yes. minimum is something different. And again, yes. that is where. But then we're talking about like again, if it's in my contract, and I do the bare minimum, I should expect also the bare minimum, which is to get paid. Nothing yes. else. No. no promotions. No, no salary no, increases. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. nothing. Yep. Yep. And I think I think that what you can do is I think you can and again i think this is this is i don't think we disagree here i think we agree but i think we just maybe frame it and i think this is, this is interesting because i think we're just kind of like i look at this and go we've sketched out this idea i look at this as filling in the color is you can turn up fulfill the obligations of what you are contracted to within the hours that you are paid for not work extra hours and that's not to do with the hours that you that you work right you might work the time of day you start, right? Whatever, right? For my team, I'm like, I don't mind what time of day you start your start and end, as long as you turn up and your job gets done. That's what I'm interested in: in outcomes, not hours. Now, when it comes to wanting to progress your career, no one should feel like they have to work beyond those hours to progress your career, and you should. It's that is then about comes back to the calculated risk what work is it that you want to take on when your manager or someone says we have a really big project that we want someone to lead and you go i want to lead that and the crucial thing in doing that is that should not be done in addition to what you do already it should be done and rolled in and made a part of what you do but what you are then doing is saying, I am going to increase my exposure internally in order to increase my kind of personal brand, my standing in the organization. And I think that's where, and that's what I've kind of come to realize, is it's not about saying, oh, well, I have to work extra hours. I have to be the first in, the last out if I want to progress. Because that isn't that isn't what we're saying, and and I think it's it again it comes back to what is that what is what is the space in the boat that you have, and that's not just about the time, that's also about your kind of space in your head and your emotional space, and if you feel like and and I, I feel like for you Lydia at the moment you're you're giving more space over to that professional side because you're going self-employed. Yeah. investing in that and it's not to say that you wouldn't necessarily work 80 hour weeks on it but you're giving over more time more space right to that at the moment because it's going to have a drain on you emotionally psychologically physically just mentally just because it does 
Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, it's that, again, it's that sort of, ca- and I think it's just interesting to explore how this idea that you, and again, this is not what you're saying, but I do think there's, there's an ingrained perception that if I want to progress, I have to do X, Y, Z, and that is that should not be how you look and how you work in these, and how you get to where you want to be. And that, especially when it comes to extra hours, right? Yeah. The, the way mm-hmm. I've discovered, and I think you and I have a very similar perspective on this when it comes to like progressing within your career, within an organization, is ask the people who are making these decisions, what do they need from you? Because they might not need extra hours. No, I'll be, I'll be, I'm 100% certain. As you said, you, as a leader of people, you say, oh, you don't care about the hours. You care about the out, out the actual, like, what are the results that people mm-hmm. are getting? So what you need to do as a person who's trying to do that is go and ask them, what do you need from me to get this, to get to the next stage? And then go back and figure out how you're going to be providing that. That's how I did it. That's how I've gone through like a promotion and two salary increases within the three and a half years I was at VMware. Mm-hmm. That's how I did, you know, for, I, that's how I, from an intern in my previous company, I became an engineer. Those were the steps I took. I literally went to the person making the decisions, having the power in them and said and asked, what do I need to do to get this? Mm. And never once have I heard, oh, you need to do more hours. That was never the case. Change the outcome. Yep. Change the outcome. What is what is the value that you're that you're providing? That's that's the key thing. And again, and you then when you find yourself completely self-employed, you find that that's not a it's not a. I I'm not waiting around for someone to tell me what I need to do. I'm trying to find the value myself, and that's by asking people. It might in this case it's not my boss. In this case, it's potential customers, and. Again, it's the same concept. It's the same principle. So whenever people are ready to, again, and it goes from one company to another. So whenever you are in that fearful situation of like, I need to make a change, you at least have a sense of how you were behaving to actually make an improvement in that career. So what you're saying is when you're in a game and you <laughs> try and beat a boss and then you die, uh, you go, ah, oh, that way isn't going to work. I've got to change what I'm doing. And then it changes and then you beat them. It's almost like you've played Dark Souls for a while. <laughs> almost. It's almost like that. it's gonna be but hey look people said that the quality got better because they don't know what's happening they don't don't, 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 don't understand the chaos in the background because you're because you're an exceptional editor (sighs) so if you i think i think it's it's worth saying at this point that and i've said this to 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 thank you as well to the the folks that have kind of said oh i'd love to be a guest and who knows where this is going to go right it's how i'm going to how i'm going to frame that um the thing I would warn anyone that is, and I'm, you know, well, always great to talk to more and more people in the community. The thing that I will say though is, if you're thinking I'd love to be a guest on Paul Leaders podcast, you should be aware that the podcast that goes out <laughs> makes us sound like we know what we're talking about and does not capture the absolute unhinged chaos that is most of the recordings. <laughs> and the recordings are normally about three hours long, so. Ooh. Oh, we, yeah. We record for a long time. Um, so just, just just a warning out there. But also, that is also my indirect way of saying Lydia's a great editor because she kind of, by the time it gets to me, I don't hear, I don't kind of hear that play. She has to kind of sift through the chaos and <laughs> sift out the gold. And then I kind of hear it. And I give her like 
just a couple of comments and we've had technical issues and we did spend probably an hour and a half yesterday trying to get my new setup to work which even then is not perfect um so i currently have airpods in so i can hear lydia and then i have like retro studio headphones over the top so i can hear myself and and I, i'm realizing that the more this goes on and our incessant desire to have the highest possible quality output means that I'm probably going to have to spend some more money on some more equipment. But that's fine because I'm using it. You and me both, especially now. Um, because, oh yeah, yeah, now you, yeah. Oh yeah, so I'm, I'm, <sighs> I'm, 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 expecting, I'm expecting a, you know, fancy setup now. Yep, 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 yep. But trying, <laughs> it's a business expense, 